This is titled, The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, good morning. It's a bit different. Ooh, we don't have that at Herf Street. <laughs> a bit different uh, being in front of more than 40, 50 people. It's glad to be here uh, this morning. If you don't know me and I don't know you, my name is Josh and I'm the pastor at Herf Street Baptist Church. I used to be part of this church uh, for about 20 years, grew up here. And as part of a team sent to Hertford Street Baptist uh, in Upper Mount Gravatt in 2017 to help revitalise that church. Uh, so I've been there for five and a half years now. Uh, feels like it's been a long time. I'll check if that's me or someone else. We'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, and we're also uh, in a partnership or friendship relationship with uh, Sunnybank District Baptist Church, you guys. So it's great. Uh, to fellowship together as churches. It's great to be here this morning. Uh, the guys at Hertford Street do send their greetings to you. Uh, we pray for you and think about you and uh, your ministries all the time. Uh, and we uh, enjoy uh, the connection that we do have with uh, Sunnybank. Uh, how about we pray as we come to God's word this morning? Father God, as we uh, come to your holy our word. We pray that you would be uh, speaking to us, open our minds, our ears and our hearts uh, to what you have to say to us this morning. Uh, convict us and remind us and challenge us most uh, powerfully about your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to be passionate followers of Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, as you can probably guess, uh, I had the privilege of growing up in uh, between two different cultures, the privilege and the difficulty, if you've done this before, between the Chinese culture of my parents and the Western culture of New Zealand, yes, New Zealand, and Australia. Both cultures are very different, both cultures with their own quirks, uh, their own strengths, their own weaknesses, good in some areas, but lacking in others. Uh, author Lang Yu released a book uh, a couple of years ago with images illustrating the differences uh, between Eastern and Western thinking. For example, if we can get this working, if we go to the next slide, I think you'll have to uh, do this in the back. Uh, lining up, uh, lining up is a line in the West and chaos in the East. Dealing with problems, next slide. Uh, you tackle it head on in the West and you tiptoe around it in the east. Sound in restaurants, quiet in the west, but loud in the east. Communication, you say it as it is in the west, but you say one thing 
and you think something else in the East. But when these images touch the idea of community, I think personally that it's clear that there's something about community in Eastern cultures that we in the West long for, that we long for even in the church, that we might even say that Eastern culture understands better than Western culture when we think about community in the church. Or if you look at this one, it's about self. Self is big, individual is big in the West, but it's small in the East. Next slide, we see lifestyle. I do my own thing in the West, but we do things together in the East. Society, next slide, is fragmented in the West, but it's communal in the East. A party, separated groups in the West. I went to one yesterday, uh, together as one group in the East. Networking or relationships, few and segmented connections in the West. But if you talk to someone in the East, everyone is connected to everyone. Everyone knows everyone in the East. Well, I've heard that you guys have been going through uh, the theme of connecting this year, uh, connecting with God, but also connecting with uh, one another in community. Uh, that's what you just looked at in the book of One John. And I believe that's where you're going in the next series, uh, too. Uh, you've got these community family meals uh, happening over the next weekend, which is a great initiative to see happening. Uh, well, today, uh, we're going to think about a disciple of Jesus in community. What we see in the Bible about the, community, about the community of believers, I think it probably lines up more with this Eastern idea of community. But we in the West, in Australia, our church experience today, over the last 200 years since the Enlightenment, has increasingly become more of an individual experience. We copy our Western society. We in the church, I think, have become more about me. It's about self. Whether it be songs full of I's and me's instead of we and us, church services where you can walk in and out without talking to anyone, and the growth of the online church, especially in the last two years, where you don't have to even talk to or see or relate with anyone. This culture, this idea happens at Hertford Street, and I'm sure it happens here too. But I think when we look at God's people in the Bible, God's people we see they're always in community. A disciple of Jesus is in community. Believers, followers of Jesus, live for Jesus not as separate individual silos, but together with one another, with other followers of Jesus in community. You see, that's how the Bible portrays the Christian life. We're saved right in the beginning into a community of believers in Exodus 19, we're called to love one another, 1 John, John 13. We're called to grow together into the image of Christ, Ephesians chapter 4, and to strive to gather together, Hebrews 10. Even the final picture, if you look at Revelation, it's a picture that's showing Christians, followers of Jesus, praising Jesus together as one in community. The Greek word for church, ecclesia, is not a word about a building or an organisation or a service. 
It means gathering, coming together, people meeting together. It's about believers in community. And as we look at this topic in Acts chapter 2, uh, we find here in today's passage, verse 42 to 47, Luke, the author, he steps away from the narrative for a moment uh, to give a snapshot of life in the early church. Luke shows us by using imperfect tense, and all through these six verses, uh, he uses this imperfect tense, meaning that they didn't do these things just once. They did these things again and again and again. They continued to do all of these things. And as we look at this passage today, we're going to look at the qualities of this Christian community, the heart values of this community, how these believers act in community. And today we're going to see five qualities of disciples in community. And the first we find in verse 42, if you have your Bibles, I'm using the ESV. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The first quality we see here is relentless devotion, not casual indifference. What do you think when you hear the word devotion? Well, I'm a member at my local gym, and I wouldn't call myself devoted. I go once a week, some weeks I skip, this week I skipped, even to the point when they would call me up because I haven't been so much to ask me where I've been. But I think a devoted gym member, they go four or five times a week, they make time in their calendars to go, they're focused on the gym. We talk about a devoted husband or wife, it's not like all the other husbands or wives aren't devoted or don't care about their marriages, but when we call someone devoted, they're singly focused, they're all in, they take initiative, they care deeply. And here we see marking this community of believers, relentless devotion, all in, singly focused, taking initiative, caring deeply. The word devotion here, it means enduring, persevering, persistent, and ongoing. So these early Christians together in community, what were they devoted to? Well, it was to the word and to the fellowship. The word being the apostles' teaching, sitting under scriptures together as they pointed to the good news of life in Jesus and their prayers, a response to this, a response to God's word, gathering to pray, coming to God together. And they were also devoted to the fellowship, literally talking about each person's connection with one another, the unity, the closeness, the oneness, which played out in the breaking of bread. It's not talking here about communion, but talking about sharing meals together, a symbol of their closeness. A disciple of Jesus in community is relentlessly devoted to the word and to the fellowship. Relentlessly devoted. Is this how you describe your attitude to the community this morning, being relentlessly devoted to the word and to the fellowship. 
relentless devotion to the word. I think it looks like commitment, consistency, and regularly gathering together around God's word. But more than this, being excited to gather around God's word with others, enjoying being in community around the Bible, caring deeply for this time together, loving, wanting, and yearning to be together in the word and prayer. A devotion to the word so relentless that it's obvious that it's the gospel, that's the good news of life in Jesus that brings you together as one in community. Does this sound like you? Or maybe a casual indifference to the word has set in. Relentless devotion to the fellowship. It looks like, again, commitment, consistency, in regularly connecting as God's people. But more than this, being excited to connect with other believers, enjoying connecting, not just socially, but spiritually, caring deeply for one another, loving, wanting, and yearning to be in community with other believers. Does this sound like you this morning? Or maybe a casual indifference has set in. If we fast forward to verse 46, it gives us a snapshot of relentless devotion in action. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I find that this verse challenges many of us in our world today. It challenges me. And I make comments like, oh, we're more busy today than back then. Life's more complicated today. We need more rest today. They were the super keen ones, but we're not like that. But maybe it challenges you and me because some casual indifference has set in. So how are you going today, this morning, in being a disciple of Jesus in community, being relentlessly devoted to the word and to the fellowship? Well, as we keep going, the second quality of a disciple in community is heartfelt affection, not stoic routine. Have a look at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. A lot of you remember State of Origin was a few weeks back, as you can still see some maroon shirts happening. Uh, I'm a big sports fan, and I had a few friends over for Origin to watch it. And while the others separate, uh, celebrated, you know, the 79th-minute interception try, they cheered, they were getting into it as Queensland fans. For me, I'm guilty of being that stoic, emotionless sports fan. The most that you'll get from me when they score a try or they win is a nod or a bit of a fist pump, and that's about it. And I think we see this attitude at church, stoic, emotionless, like we're sitting in a boring lecture from uni, when gathering as saved people in Jesus ought to be exciting, joyful, and heartfelt. Luke, in Acts here, he describes the mood like this. He uses the word awe. Awe is the feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. 
or is an emotional response when you comprehend the mercy of God seen in Jesus, all that God's done for you in Christ, the new life that is given to you in Jesus, and this reality of having new life in Jesus forever capturing your hearts, resulting in awe. Paul says, when believers gather in community around the Lord Jesus Christ, it's marked by awe. Awe coming upon every soul. Hearts awakened in all the believers, uh, overflowing to the outsiders looking in. So let me ask you this morning, how is your heartfelt affection this morning when you gather in a Christian community? Do you respond in awe, awe to who God is, awe to what God has done for you in Jesus, or what God is doing in your life and the life of others today? Is your heart moved, captured by the good news of life in Jesus as you gather in community with other believers? Or are you in stoic routine, coming to church and leaving unchanged, caring only about the right teaching without really being transformed by it, going through the motions without responding. And how about all of you as a church? Are you a community that's marked by heartfelt affection? Are you excited, joyful, in awe and wonder as you gather before our great and loving God? Are you a church that welcomes and encourages this response to God? Or do you look down on or frown on it, whether it be believers with that overexcited passion for God, people wanting to respond physically as they sing to God, people giving amens during sermons, people wanting to share with you excitedly about God's goodness to them over the past week? Or do you prefer stoic routine over heartfelt affection? You see, stoic routine is an easy place to be in. But I think it's a dangerous place to be in. When there are no heartfelt affections to God, when there's no awe, wonder or excitement about God. Jonathan Edwards, uh, whose most famous writing is called Religious Affections, he says... In this, he who has no religious affection is in a state of spiritual death and is wholly destitute of the powerful, quickening, saving influence of the Spirit of God upon his heart. So how are your heartfelt affections to God this morning? And how are you together at Sunnybank, at District Baptist Church, how are you going together as a community in your heartfelt affections to God? Is this a mark of your gatherings here? Well, as we keep going, uh, there seems to be a dichotomy of churches today uh, where you need to pick between a strong teaching church or a strong, caring and loving church But as the old El Paso ad goes, why not both? Why can't we have both? In fact, shouldn't it follow 
that a church with relentless devotion to the word, responding with heartfelt affections to God, flow on to be a community strong in love and care for one another. You see, a disciple of Jesus in community is marked by sacrificial generosity, not stingy selfishness. And the next two verses shows us what care within the Christian community looks like. And all who believe were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You see, here we see the level of mutual care. They shared all they had. They were even selling their stuff to help others in their community in need. Imagine selling your most valuable items, sacrificing your possessions to help another believer out. You see, that was the commitment and care that they had for one another. They genuinely, really loved, cared, had compassion for their fellow believers. In the Greco-Roman culture in the first century, friends, they shared all things with one another. Friends cared deeply for one another. In our culture today, family share things in common. Family care deeply for one another. And that's how the community of believers are being portrayed here. We're friends. We're family. Need a meal, need some help, need to borrow this or that, need some support, need some relief. Here it is, whatever you need, we'll chip in. That's the attitude of sacrificial generosity. And as we think about this for ourselves today, let me ask, is sacrificial generosity evident in your attitude as you relate to other believers in our Christian community? Do you see your fellow believers here, each one, every single one, as family, friends? Do you care for each believer here to the point of sharing all you have with them, helping one another in need? We definitely have to be wise in this, but do you make excuses for you're not caring, you're not sharing or helping enough? Because if we aren't sacrificial, if we aren't generous to all, then maybe we are displaying stingy selfishness, not being interested in the needs of our spiritual family, ignoring them, not responding to them in light of the sacrifice and generosity that God has ultimately shown us as Jesus died on the cross for you and me. How would you rate your sacrificial generosity to others today? And where's God challenging you in this? Maybe you care for some, but not others. Maybe you care, but only to a certain point or when and where you feel like it. Or maybe you haven't shown the care that God wants you to show to others. God promises that he will meet our every need. And God often does this through other believers around you. So he calls us to be selfless and sacrificial with our generosity. 
And this, by implication, means that he also calls us to be willing and ready recipients too of generosity, to joyfully accept generosity from other believers when they come for help. The third quality of a disciple in community is sacrificial generosity. Well, as we keep going, our fourth quality is a passing point. Uh, it focuses on the repeated comment, the breaking of bread in verse 42 and 46. It's an activity uh, that they devoted themselves to and that they were doing day by day. And the term breaking of bread, it doesn't mean literally breaking bread. We uh, mentioned before it's talking about a meal, sharing food, and eating together in the first century had a significance because sharing meals uh, symbolized having an intimate relationship, fellowship, mutual acceptance, and friendship. And it's this that marks the community of believers here in the early church. Genuine relationships, not distant acquaintances. You see, these believers, they had real, genuine, authentic, personal relationships with one another. Let's read verse 46 again. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You see, the believers would open up their homes. They would host and share meals together. And during this time, the focus isn't really on the food. They would connect they would grow friendships. They would get to know each other more. They would appreciate the time they spent together. They would praise God together. They would express their thankfulness for Jesus together. Sharing meals together. Symbolizing the genuine relationships within the community of believers. So let me ask you this morning, how are you going in genuine relationships within the church? How are you going in knowing your fellow believers as friends, family, and fellow followers of Jesus? You see, in our Western, busy, and individualistic world, if we remember those images from before, you have to work really hard at growing community together. Whether it be staying after church for a chat over a cup of tea or morning tea, whether it be heading out to lunch, inviting people over, being open to accepting invites to go over. Or maybe it's putting your name up, uh, going single file out the back of the church, uh, putting your name up for one of those church dinners. And not one of those church dinner groups that are with all your friends and people you know, but doing this with people that you don't know well or you don't know at all. And all of these examples, all of these things, are just a means in growing genuine relationships. Get to know each other and to grow deeper as a community of believers. And if you aren't doing these things, it's likely that instead of genuine relationships, you're just distant acquaintances. You know each other but not deeply, not closely. So let me ask you, 
to look around, to think of everyone in the church community. Who do you know? But you don't know well enough. And as you look around and think, who don't you really know much about at all? And let me challenge you this morning, focus on those people. Make it a priority to grow those personal relationships. Make a beeline at them first. Grow those connections so that we can love God's people, our fellow believers, people who, like you, are children of God whom Christ died for too. Disciples of Jesus in community are marked by genuine relationships, not by distant acquaintances. Now we come to our final quality. Have a look at verse 47. They were praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, a Christian community devoted to the gospel, responding in awe, deeply loving and caring for one another. It can't be contained. It's compelling. It's contagious. This praise of God, this joy, it overflows into the world around them. This joy in the Lord Jesus Christ overflows to a point where Jesus finds favour with unbelieving onlookers. They take notice. They see something different, something attractive, lives changed by the giver of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this results in joy, goodness and love. And it's so compelling, so contagious, that Luke records people responding to the good news of life in Jesus. People accepting salvation in Jesus. People being added to the community of believers, joining this community founded and centering on the gospel. So as we think about this today, it's not saying that we shouldn't actively share the gospel. It's not saying that we don't need to be actively reaching out to the community. It's not saying that theology and ministry is not important. But it does say that as we live for Jesus together in community, one of the consequences of this, one of the byproducts of this, is that our joy in the gospel overflows from the church. It overflows into the world around us. It becomes contagious and compelling to the onlooker. And just like in Acts, people will notice. People will inquire. People will be saved by the good news of life in Jesus, and people will be added to the number. And this is a great encouragement as you and I live for Jesus, and we do this together as a community, as a fellowship of believers. God will use you and us together as witnesses. God will convict hearts for Jesus. God will grow his church as we commune together as God's people. But I think this last verse here is also a challenge to reflect on our connection with the world around us. Is our joy in God overflowing to those looking on around us? Is our teaching, our love, our care compelling and contagious 
to outsiders and for us to consider why might our witness be lacking to outsiders? Do we tend towards being insular and separate to the world around us? Pastor Mark Dever comments in his book, The Compelling Community, our greatest confirmation of the gospel is the community of the local church. Therefore, our best strategy for reaching the world is to fan that community into a raging inferno of supernatural witness that will be far more attractive than any adjustment to our music, small groups, or sermons could ever be. You see, disciples of Jesus in community are marked by overflowing joy, a contagious and compelling witness of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, a witness to the world around us who desperately needs Jesus. So as we finish our time together in God's Word and our service this morning, we've seen that a disciple of Jesus is a disciple in community. And this community is marked by relentless devotion, not casual indifference. It's marked by heartfelt affection, not stoic routine. It's marked by sacrificial generosity, not stingy selfishness. Genuine relationships, not distant acquaintances. And it's marked by overflowing joy, not insular separation. And all of these things, all of these qualities, they're fueled by the mercy, grace, and love that God has shown to us through Jesus on the cross. So as you walk together, as a community of believers at Sunnybank District Baptist Church, let me ask you, which quality is God impressing on you this morning? Which quality is God impressing on you this morning to grow in, to align with God, more to surrender to God and ask for, for, for forgiveness about and to ask for his spirit to work change in you. You see, God has saved us into a community of believers. Let's pray that God would continue to shape us as a community of saved sinners brought together, made alive in Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, as we finish our time this morning, help each of us individually and all of us together to grow as disciples of Jesus in community. Please grow us in a relentless devotion to your word and to your people. Lord, instill in us a heartfelt affection as we meet together, remembering and rejoicing in your great mercy shown to us in Jesus. Lord, help our church fellowship to be marked by sacrificial generosity, genuine relationships, and overflowing joy as we walk with Jesus together. Lord, please work by your Holy Spirit to convict each of us with where and how we ought to grow as we worship you together at SDBC. Lord, be with us as we enter a new week in following Jesus.
We pray these things for the sake of your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week.